This podcast includes discussion and material surrounding trauma, and we acknowledge that the content may be difficult. As always, we encourage you to practice good soul care and reach out to someone if you need support. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, This is uh, season four of the Mindful Marriage Podcast, unbelievably, episode three. My name is Brock. I'm the lead care and support pastor at Hope Fellowship, and I'm joined by... I'm Tara Wiedemeyer, licensed professional counselor. Extraordinaire. I think that's what the title we gave, LPCE. Yeah. So anyway. All right. So Tara, I have been learning a lot of information from you about trauma and the effects of trauma and the effects of negative experiences and how they really affect our present day situation. So I've been reading a little bit, mm-hmm. or can I say listening? I'm really not a book reader anymore. I'm more you can of a, call it reading. I'm an audible guy, so I listen to books. And so I've been listening to a book or just finished a book called What Happened to You by Dr. Bruce Perry. And so one of the things that's really helped me understand, it's been great to read that book, listen to that book, and have conversations with you, is that I'm really starting to understand that as information comes into our brains, our brain, because of past experience, especially early childhood experiences, it interprets that information pretty quickly, and it helps us. It's almost like we can't even stop the reactions. Like if we've programmed our brain to think this way when when a a negative experience comes to us, we just act. Well, and it's not, we're not intentionally or voluntarily programming our brain. This is stuff like there's wiring that's getting, or that's happening behind the scenes. Yeah. And so when that information comes, it's like, again, I think we've said this before, but to say to someone, hey, stop doing that or don't react that way. We're really just setting them up for failure because there's no way until they've gone back and tried to figure out why those messages and try to figure out a different way of dealing with life, there's no way they're going to respond in a different way. So no wonder mm-hmm. it has such a massive impact on our relationships uh, when we all have experiences from our past that cause us to react a certain way and we can't really control our behavior unless we figure out ways to control that behavior. Well, and to, to heal those parts of us that have been rewired or altered um, – Due to the trauma, yes. Okay, so keeping that in mind, so in your work as a therapist extraordinaire, so what, as you've talked with people over the years, so how has trauma or negative experiences really, because this is a marriage podcast, so mm-hmm. we should be talking about marriages right. probably. So how <laughs> has, have, has trauma or negative experiences really, how have you seen that impact marriages? Um, that is a very vast answer or even question. So lots is it, of things. Is it vast or vast? Oh, gross. <laughs> it's it definitely vast. Because there's vase and, and vase. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, a, so it's, it's Sorry, a vast experiences. It, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, to answer that, let me go back a little bit. So trauma sits in, and this is not, again, this is not voluntary. This is not... Um, People are not conscious of this usually right away. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's where the hard work comes in and like kind of trying to like restore and heal and rewire stuff. Um, but trauma sits in the part of our brains that house the areas that deal with or that deal with danger, safety, and like how we perceive the world. And so like our amygdala and our hippocampus, if you want to. Have fun with specifics. Get a little nerdy on on the brain. Okay. So those are the part. That's the emotional part of our brain. And again, 
whether people want that to be the case or not, if it's truly traumatic and it's not been um, processed or reprocessed, this is what happens. So that's the part of our brain that controls it's it you know again we talked about this before a little bit but it's not um rational or oftentimes logical long-term planning you know it's not sitting there kind of like wrestling with things to reconcile and like make sense of things these are automatic responses oftentimes so like you know we'll speak before we even realize what we're saying, you know, yeah. or have certain behaviors or symptoms that come up. So, But I used to, that used to bother me that the brain would do that. But now I'm starting to appreciate that because like we talked about with the tiger chasing us, mm-hmm. it's a great way for us to survive and to get by, but just we have to learn that not every situation is necessarily a survival situation and, and, and even understand that that's going on in our everyday common marital life right. interactions. Well, and that's just it is... We, if, if if it's not a tiger chasing us, but our brains are acting out of these automatic places to protect us and to deal with whatever that perceived or real threat is, yeah. but in this case perceived, um, or that's just how we've navigated the world and compensated over time, that we're still going to have those, we're going to react to like, let's say our husband, the way we would the tiger kind of thing, you know, or at least feel those physical and emotional sensations or have some of those same thoughts of feeling like, you know, unsafe, attacked, not um, securely attached, things like that. So so when, so when those things come our way, there's going to be certain behaviors that come out that are protective things, survival things like anger, flight. Uh, is, that, is that what you mean when you, yeah, when you say that? Yeah. When we have trauma, our automatic reactions and dispositions are going to be impacted and that all like automatically affects how we interpret the world and the people around us, even if we're not aware that we're doing that. Mm. So to answer your question, which I've kind of even forgotten at this point. How but, is this impacting yeah, marriages? Yeah. But you know, that can come out in a lot of different ways, but lack of trust, not feeling secure, not feeling connected to your spouse, um, feeling unsafe, again, like having a perceived threat. Um, so we see higher levels of conflict, more aggression. If, you know, you've always had to like yell or be loud to be, to feel like you're heard or to even feel safe in the, like, and people to take you seriously because of your experiences, that might be how you react to your spouse, especially if you feel like disrespected or unheard and unsafe and you don't mean to do it. Right. And that's what I hear all the time is like, that's not like, this isn't how I want to be, or I don't even know why I'm doing this or like, why am I doing this? Where is this coming from? I just snapped, you know, and that's the whole like flip your lid or go Mm -hmm. into like fight or flight. And people don't want to live that way, but it's like, we are, we do until we start to kind of like figure this out, create some of that awareness and start healing. Yeah. So it was, it was interesting. I was having a conversation with some couples in re-engage uh, and it's so interesting that re-engage, uh, every time I say re-engage, there's a little line. If you see the word re-engage, it's R-E line, then engage. And so I had a friend that called it relengage. <laughs> and so uh, so every time I think of re-engage, I think relengage. But we were talking last night how it's so interesting that communication, part of communication 
and part of being in a relationship is that this person is going to see your blind spots that you obviously can't see. Well, they can be more objective because when we're sitting in the weeds of it all or we're – sorry to interrupt you. but That's okay. When we're I'm in the used weeds, to it. Oh, my gosh. When we're in the weeds of it all or – um, living it in that moment, or again, we're used to live, you know, we've been this way for 40 years since the trauma happened. Mm-hmm. You don't even know that there's sometimes another way to live or how you come across or are or you being perceived. Or you don't even know it's happening. You just kind of automatically go sometimes, to this behavior. Yeah. And so we were talking about how if this person can really see your blind spots like no one else can, yet so many people, if your spouse were to bring up your blind spots or bring up any negative behaviors, it's so difficult for us to hear that, and we automatically go into attacking back or mm-hmm. not letting or them shutting down. shutting down or not letting them feel fully like, heard. Because mm-hmm. part of what my view of communication is, it's so nice if someone can feel fully heard, but oftentimes if we're hearing things that are a little negative toward us, we can't even sit in that moment anymore and let them be fully heard because we're just protecting ourselves or attacking or whatever we need to do. And so it's all based upon how our brain is processing that information and we're not even behaving the way we want to. Like that information, so in this case, like what your spouse is telling you or pointing out, it it goes through basically a negative or skewed filter due to the trauma, Mm -hmm. again, without our knowledge, you know, and it's this very quick involuntary thing that happens. And what comes out on the other side of that is, you know, the I'm feeling attacked or I'm not good enough or whatever. And so... That is, and that's kind of, I think, the crux of all of this is, or at the crux of all of this is because of the part of the brain that is impacted um, when in our marriages, what we see, you know, if we have unhealed trauma, then it is going to automatically lead to our, the limiting and negative beliefs that we have about ourselves. And those things are going to show up whether we see them or not. But that's where, like if, so if my husband points something out about something I don't necessarily like about myself or that I don't see, um, and it's coming from that that skewed filter, so to speak, my response to that, when it hits my like mouth or my awareness, I'm going to feel like unloved or not good enough or... um, Whatever, depending on what he said, mm-hmm. you know, and what if I have a negative or limiting belief there, it's going to poke that, trigger it, and I'm going to feel that way and I'm going to react, whatever that looks like. And so that's the thing that we have to figure out is what is getting triggered, why, you know, kind of start doing some of that deep dive and start healing. So when you're talking about a couple, so say you, you and I know Daniel nears perfection, as I know his yes. behavior and his thoughts he on things, your husband up since nineteen eighty four. Yeah, so Daniel's almost perfect. Mm-hmm. But think about this: so in a relationship, you've got two people that have had negative experiences, maybe some trauma in their past to some degree, and now he says something to you, it triggers your responses that aren't so great. You don't respond so well, so it maybe maybe triggers his responses that aren't so great. If so they're now, there, yeah. If they're there, and so now you got two people that aren't responding in a in a way that is uh, is loving and kind because they're just kind of surviving this trauma that they've experienced again that's just rooted in their brain. And so you get two people that are not responding in ways that are bringing oneness to the relationship. You're getting two people that are just doing anything they can to protect their own pain at this point in time. Yeah. And that's the thing is it's, again, it's not coming necessarily out of like 
I don't love you or, you know, that kind of stuff. But we're we're basically like triggering each other back and forth when both parties have that trauma. And unbeknownst to them that they're triggering and they're going to this yeah. place. Are, are there certain, like we talked about these behaviors, do you think that as those, as we poke those emotions, those hurts, that we get certain behaviors kind of tied with those things so that we go to those to protect ourselves or to deal with that? Absolutely. And so we get stuck in those behaviors. We're like, I don't want to do this anymore, but it keeps right. going back to that because yeah. it's just tied together. No, that's, so depending on where it's coming from, you know, what experience you have and the negative belief or limiting belief that's attached to it will determine based on the person like and and we can look at this and see certain patterns and stuff too mm-hmm. um we could say like this is coming from that you know and that's the thing is as you start to kind of figure this out it's you're able to see things hopefully in ways that you've never even seen before or knew you could see them that way yeah. and connect dots and start to really understand and that's that's hugely empowering is like even the like we call it psychoeducation in my field but like the um just starting to understand this stuff and it be explained to you at a pace that you can handle it's not overwhelming you know but just starting to be able to like call it out and have like baby steps into what this could look like Mm -hmm. is hugely empowering because people again don't understand or they're confused by it or it's so frustrating or like they've done all these other things to like not be like that, but it just doesn't work. Because again, if we're not getting to the root stuff, a lot of this other stuff is just band-aids. Yeah. And so, you know, it, there's terms in, in psychology um, that are, they're very cheesy, but like true and makes sense. But like, you have to name it to tame it. You have to feel it to heal it, like that kind of stuff. And so you first have to even be able to identify this stuff, have awareness, sit with that, build your confidence and giving yourself like permission to even like delve into this. And then you can start to change things. If you don't have the awareness, you cannot change. I'm sorry. I didn't respond right away, but I was uh, thinking about cheese after you mentioned name it to tame it and all the cheesy oh, statements goodness. that you were, you were mm. saying there. Um, and so, goodness. <laughs> sorry, I got lost in the cheese. Do you like, do you ever just have the can o cheese? Like the, no. No. Okay. My wife bought some of that the other day. I was like, we haven't bought that in 20 years, but here we got a can of cheese in the house. She just had a hankering. <laughs> she had a hankering. <laughs> she said, oh, I thought you wanted it. So I got some cheese no, in the thank house. You. So, yeah. I'm going to do it. It's going to be good. I don't uh, know about that. And so as we've been talking about this, for for me, and I know we're going to get into my stuff a little bit more in a couple podcasts here. Rock is going under the knife. Under the knife. Folks. But for me, looking back, Understanding this and then starting that healing process was a major component of me acting like a – starting to act like a decent human being, a major component. And so so if people are listening to this, and no matter what level of trauma and negative experiences they have, there's hope. Absolutely. There, you can you – can, and not respond in all these negative ways. And you can begin this journey of healing and find yourself thinking, feeling, behaving in different ways. So there's a lot of hope, as, as but just saying – we're trying to identify is like, hey, you don't have to be stuck in those behaviors, but there is a path that just willpower and saying, I'm not going to do this anymore. It's not the path, but there is a path to find healing to move in a better direction. Absolutely. And that's and I tell people this all the time, and I've probably said it in here, but baby steps are still steps. And depending on what we're talking about and like really looking at in the context of it all, some stuff, you know, the journeys are longer in this, but you don't know what you don't know. And so this is definitely a, like, there's building blocks in this too. And so it's like little by little, like the more you learn, the more dots you connect, the more, um, 
how do I want to say this? Like, let's say symptom relief you have, or you're starting to maybe have a less negative view of certain things, or like you're more aware of your shame and you're working on like healing some of that. You just, it's like kind of like that saying that rose colored glasses, you take them off. Like it is not that quick. Mm -hmm. This sometimes is a very subtle, gradual, frustrating, unpleasant process, but you do start to see things yourself, the world, your spouse differently because you're, it's almost like you're waking up. And so I have a lot of people who, you know, depending on the age of the trauma and, you know, just different things, they may never have experienced what it's like to like be in a good, healthy spot. They're not, you know, they're not having those triggers. They're not having those symptoms in their whole adult life. And so that can even be scary Mm. because they're like, I've never lived like this before, like maybe since I was eight years old, you know, and that we were different when we're eight versus now, right? And so it's, there's just, there's so many things and it's different for everybody, but even it just takes a lot of courage to do this for one. And people want to rush it and I get it and they get frustrated and it's hard, difficult work and it's draining sometimes, but it can also be scary in the sense that like, if I, like, I don't know what it's like to live without, you know, these coping mechanisms I've used if they're, say, like unhealthy or whatever. But, you know, I don't know what it's like to not have those um, in my, like, I'm not, I'm choosing not to pull those out of my toolbox. I'm going to use this new stuff, you know, or who am I going to be or what am I going to look like if I don't have all this shame or I'm not, you know, perfectionistic anymore or I don't come across as like loud and aggressive and have to control everything. Like that can be terrifying. Yeah. And but we don't even know to even like consider that or think about that or measure that yet until you start to kind of dive into this and stuff starts. It's, it's like you happening. said, like we're we're asleep to it a little bit. Do you remember the movie The Matrix? Mm-hmm. As you were talking about this, I always wanted to be Morpheus. I thought Morpheus was the coolest guy in the whole world. But one of the things about The Matrix is. Like they were waking up to this new reality mm-hmm. and they felt like this other one was the reality and then discover new ways of living is just a, an awakening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and oftentimes uh, there's that story in the Bible about when Jesus and the disciples are out on the water and the waves come crashing in and uh, the disciples start freaking out and Jesus is asleep. And they wake Jesus up and Jesus tells the storm to be calm. Mm-hmm. I often read that story and think, who was really asleep? I mean, it seems like the disciples might have been the ones really asleep, and Jesus was awake to that reality. And so mm-hmm. it's like we're inviting Jesus to come in. We're inviting healing to come in. We're inviting uh, – and I saw Tara's notes, and so I'm going to use from – because because do you guys ever get frustrated that it seems like Tara's the expert? I'm just the guy asking questions. So we're going to – we're gonna. We're gonna. I mean, maybe that's my past experiences coming in. But you also have the lovely, smooth radio voice. <laughs> the yeah. lovely, smooth radio voice. I sound like a smoking frog half the time. <laughs> a smoking frog that needs to sip her water. <laughs> so we are going to work to reframe, undistort, and heal some of those messages and bring healing in, so that we can find this place where we begin to wake up to. Man, I've always thought I'm stuck in this behavior. Now I can find myself living in a new way. Uh, so Tara. So we got one more episode that we're doing next, and then we're going to jump into my 
pass, which is just, I'm so excited about looking forward That's to that. That's the plan. But, you know, we're emotionally flexible. We can pivot okay. if we need to, right? Because uh, t- you're, t- you're in your window of tolerance, right, Brian? Well, yeah. So Tara, <laughs> Tara's a little more of a go with the flow. And I'm like, hey, if there's no structure, we're going to die. But anyway. <laughs> which so, is probably a belief we could look at if Brock's Oh, great. So it. we're looking to that. So, but there's a, um, a method of therapy that I've heard you talk about a lot. I know you've done some classes, you've been to some training. So just you could... And I'm not quite sure. I've seen the initials. Is it called UMDR? Oh UMDR gosh. therapy? EMDR. Oh, yes. e- oh, you don't you don't spell it. it's EMDR. Yes. That's embarrassing. So tell us just a little bit about because EMDR seems to be your primary mode. If I am reading the tea leaves correct, and so tell us just a little bit about EMDR and what we're getting ready to do here in the next episode or two. So uh, EMDR is a type of therapy often used for trauma. It can be used for other things. Um, It stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, which is why people say EMDR since that takes four years. Um, And it's come a long way since it started. It's been around around a long time, but it has gained popularity and stuff, which I'm grateful for because it's so amazing and it helps so many people. Um, But it used to be done with just like your your eyeballs, um, and now there's other ways to do it. And um, like I can even do it over telehealth sessions, and people um, we're using what's called bilateral stimulation, but it's basically a back and forth, left right. Um, like they can do a tapping on themselves, and there's all different kinds of ways to do that. But it doesn't have to be just with the eyes anymore. But that is still in the name. So, in a very quick nutshell, um, and we'll get more into this. But what happens is, or in order to do EMDR, there's some, um, there's several phases of it. But before you get to what I call like the sexy part, like the bilateral stimulation, when people say like, I want to do EMDR or I'm doing EMDR, they're talking about when we're really in the reprocessing phase uh, and like doing bilateral stimulation. But there's things that you've got to do ahead of time and assess for readiness and, you know, things like that. But um, what you do is, and this hopefully will make more sense as we go and makes a little sense now, but in order to reprocess something and to, since we're talking about trauma, like clear or heal that trauma, um, we've got to identify the negative belief or limiting belief that's associated with a specific experience or event. Um, And sometimes people come in and it's a pretty quick process. They might even know where they like where this needs to be. And then sometimes finding, you know, maybe they know the the experience or the trauma, but they we've got to spend some time digging around and find the belief mm-hmm. or vice versa. And so, you know, you we go in and it's a very um, structured, specific process, um, unlike like, you know, regular talk therapy. And we we do our thing and by the end um when we are able like if we say it's cleared and we can like close that out and move on to something else um the person would feel desensitized to that event or trauma meaning like they're not going to forget that it happened um but they're not going to have the um, unpleasant or negative physical sensations that they would have, the negative belief or beliefs associated with it, and the emotional um, discomfort or distress. So, and sometimes, you know, we don't always get it down to a zero, which is the goal. And that kind of depends. And that's a whole nother conversation. But so at least significant improvement in those things, if not 
total improvement. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's amazing. Um, so they would, you know, as we're going along, we're checking for like how disturbing things are. Where do you feel it in your body? We've got to clear all of it. Cause that's the thing too, going back to the, like how trauma is stored our it's stored in our brains, but it's also stored in our bodies. And that's where, you know, we talked about that a little bit with the nervous system stuff. But so like if let's say whatever it, the target is, the target, um, memory I'm reprocessing, let's say with that, I also have like, you know, tightness in my chest. My stomach feels like heavy. I feel nauseous. I, you know, a lot of the symptoms you might feel with like anxiety, let's say. We are assessing those as we go. We ask people to just, you know, to really notice that, pay attention, let yourself feel it. Just all, there's all kinds of pieces that go into this. Um, so I'm getting ready to do this. That's so exciting. So, well, or parts of, of it, of it at least. But the yes. one thing that I've really heard in, in our conversations is that it's amazing how the emotional, the physical, the mental are all tied together. Absolutely. Like God created us as a whole unit. And so if there's trauma there, and one of the things I wanted to say, like some people might be like, why are we pushing counseling so much? And I just discovered throughout my life, I always heard sermons, all these things. So, hey, but Brock, you should do this. Don't do that. And I would have so much, can I use the word gumption? Is that sure. still a word? Gumption yeah. to try to do the right thing. And I would walk out and I'd willpower my way through it for a few days and I'd always fall back into the same traps. And it was in, until I went back and tried to figure out things that caused me why I do what I do that I, that I started to have freedom and started to really behave like maybe Jesus wanted me to behave a little bit more. And so I'm a huge fan of this. And so I don't feel like... Um, you know, we're trying to say, hey, Jesus is not the no, healer. We're not this saying is that mind, at all. Body, spirit. This is Jesus and using the body of Christ, people like Tara, to help us find healing so we can behave the way that honors our, our spouse, that honors God, and honors the people around us. Yeah, for sure. And that's the thing is like people's faith, we can incorporate that into therapy and EMDR. And it's, there's so many ways in which that can help. But a lot of times, like going back to your gumption example, thank you. Like if, if we just go out and we, you know, we have that initial motivation or want to to fix that thing or be a different way or whatever, depending on what it is, maybe we can, right? Mm -hmm. After some time and create some new habits, whatever. But a lot of times when people can't figure that out or they do keep, for lack of a better term, relapsing into old ways, habits, you know, things like that, what happens a lot of times if it's not already there is we might feel guilty and or shameful and then that just exacerbates what already is going on. Yeah. And then it's like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do, you know? So whether it's counseling or something else, sometimes we just need other methods of support and people. We need other people. And I wholeheartedly believe that God uses science and people and all and sermon, everything, like mm -hmm. to, to like speak to us, to get our attention, to help us and equip us do what we need to do to go down these paths because we're not promised an easy, uneventful, chill life when we sign up for this Christian thing, you know? Mm -hmm. it Life is hard, and but well, he's never going to leave us or forsake us, and it helps with hope, and it helps with, you know, lots of things, but it, I think God can use a counselor or a friend or a pastor just as much as anything else. And I think that's why if you're going to somebody who knows what they're doing counseling-wise and 
they're faith-based as well. Like there's, I think, faith-based person to faith-based person that it might even help with some of the shame yeah. and feeling that y'all are kind of, y'all have some equal footing and this isn't going to be some, you know, hippy-dippy stuff that you're like, what am I signing up for? You Hi- know? Hippy-dippy. So, yeah. no, I'm a big fan. And, and as we've talked, I just don't know that you've felt like this has been a me- major part of your journey. You've seen it uh, really help out a lot of people that you've worked with. I've seen it really help me. And ultimately, you know, we're doing this so that we can be, uh, again, honoring God. But as we talk about marriages, we're doing this so that we can love and care for and forgive and respect our spouse and be in a healthy marriage for us, for our spouse, for our children, for generations. And it's just worth doing the work. Uh, and it's so, like you said, as we start to find healing and uh, reframing and freedom through all this is just so so worth it. So we're going to continue this journey. And then in a couple episodes, I go under the knife, <laughs> per se. Uh, is that Latin, per se? Where does that come from? Okay. <laughs> well, we're just making stuff up. But so anyway, thank you guys so much for uh, listening to us. And Tara, as always, thank you for your kindness, your expertise, and, and uh, uh, your compassion to help out other people. And so um, it's been fun for me to learn this journey. But that book I mentioned at the beginning, Tara has not read this, so she's not endorsing it because she can't because she hasn't read it. But if you're— I plan to. I just haven't gotten to it. And what there's— and- well, say what you're going to say, and then I'll... Yeah, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So if you want to check out the book, uh, it's by Dr. Bruce Perry. It's called What Happened to You. It's and with then, Oprah. And well, yeah, Oprah really? interviews him a little bit, but it's really fantastic. And so if you wanted to read that, that might give you some more insight in this world uh, in a way that's very understandable for us non-therapy uh, educated. For the lay people. And, and mm-hmm. I wanted to say earlier, uh, Tara mentioned psychoeducation. I always called that when I took 18 hours in college. I called that psychoeducation. <laughs> Um, But yes, there are also, there's a lot of great resources out there for trauma right now. And um, like whether it be books, worksheets, you know, so again, if we all ever need resources, hit us up and we can hopefully hook you up. Um, I'm going to try and post some stuff on the, on the gram. On the gram, yes. Um, So hopefully by the time this episode airs, it will be there. So awesome. Fingers crossed. Well, thank you guys. Um, Please let us know. Uh, if we can be praying for you, um, and we will be, and uh, pray for us as we continue on this journey as well. So thank and you pray guys. for me that I have to deal with Brock. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe it's the other way around. But mm. thank you guys. Good luck in those mindful marriages. That's and right. And maybe being more mindful is digging into our past that we can be more present and mindful in the right now. Yep, amen. And also just remember, baby steps are still steps. Sometimes we cannot rush this. Well, I'm going to say we can't rush this. And if we try to, it can be harmful. So just try and meet yourself where you're at and your spouse as well. And just keep trucking. Stay on the journey. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Tara. All right. Bye, guys.